Well, hello there. You're listening to Chatting About Chucky with your friends till the end. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. And I'm Eric Keppel. Uh, one might say that this episode of the show is destined for greatness. Or another way you could say that is... Greg? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. The, guys, we can restart if you want. Guys. Can ever can can it, people hear Greg when he starts recording? No. So for the listener at home, uh, we have a we have a little robot named Craig <laughs> that that records as a backup, and he he says now recording in a robot voice. Uh, and I forgot to t- I forgot to start it before the episode, <laughs> so I guess I chose to do it while Jeremy was talking. <laughs> I am so sorry. God damn it! You see, it it also. Is it adds to how bad I am at starting these episodes. It just is like one more hilarious layer to this because I'm already like, okay, I'm in my head. Let's see, <laughs> how do I how do I start this bad boy off? So here's what I was gonna do, Eric. I was gonna say, okay, this episode is very special. It's destined for greatness. One might say <laughs> it's greatness bound. Oh baby, I I'm so so sad that I stepped on that, Jeremy. <laughs> I didn't that- think it was funny. <laughs> At first, you were like, because I asked you if you wanted to start this one, and you said, yeah, okay, I got something. You paused You paused for like a minute, and then you were like, okay, are you ready? I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just said, hello, welcome to Chatting About Chucky. <laughs> like, oh, but I, I didn't know that there was a, I I didn't know said, there was a lead up. There was a lead up, yeah. I should have said something to the effect of like, Hachimachi, is that two ladies a smoochin'? <laughs> it's chatting about Chucky. Um, yeah, so today we're covering the Wachowskis' uh, pre-Matrix 1996 film *Bound*, starring none other than the master Jennifer Tilly. Listeners, just behave yourselves, okay? I know that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ruffians that listen to this podcast. They like to make crude jokes and comments, and this is a this is a, this is art. This is a work of art. Bound is a is a beautiful film, and we 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 shan't discuss the uh, the uh, uh, very uh, uh, the attractiveness of the of the of the two female characters. They're very beautiful, mm-hmm. but we, we don't need to we we don't need to get uh, X rated in this podcast. Okay? Yeah. If I catch any listeners out there doing any hanky panky to this episode, I'm gonna call <laughs> for a hand check, and at that point, you are gonna have to lift both hands up from but underneath the table. Okay, so yeah, I mean this this uh, obviously we wanted to cover this film after immediately after we saw Bride of Chucky and covered it on on chatting about Chucky because it informs so much of the Chucky history. Don Mancini sees Bound as a young Don man in the in the the mid nineties. He sees Jennifer Tilly's performance and from there strikes a beautiful friendship up. With a, oh, just a, a a masterclass of of incredible film noir style femme fatale performance. The uh, friendship of a lifetime. This is, I mean, you got your partners, you got your Bonnie and Clyde, you got your uh, Holmes Thel- and Watson, Thelma and Louise. Thelma, Thelma, I guess I chose Holmes and Watson. Uh, you got you got freaking Don Mancini and uh, Jennifer Tilly. That's 
As far as I'm concerned, there are only four duos, and those yes. are them. And Holmes and Watson and is definitely one. <laughs> yeah, I mean Don Man, Don Mancini, and Jennifer Tilly are is a match made in hell, Eric. It it really was a a, a true partnership. Of, yes, uh, of both uh, I- innovation, creativeness, and just straight up sex appeal. And for us Chuckheads, hell is heaven. Oh yeah, it's opposite day in Chuck in Chuckland. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed, we bad. <laughs> <laughs> we bad. We real bad. Chucky, um, uh, Chuck, Chucky. I, I I meant to say Jeremy, and I said Chucky. Hey, uh, you can confuse me with that with that little <laughs> rascal any day. Jeremy, um, I had a thought recently, and I I want to run this past you because. I think this is, this would be interesting. I want to see... I bet you there will be people tweeting at us that this is a dumb idea. But I <laughs> would like to see a uh, Don Mancini written Chucky sequel directed by Rob Zombie. How do you oh. feel about that? Do, are you a fan of the Rob Zombie universe? <laughs> I do I do not like the Halloweens, but I like uh, Devil's Rejects and House of a, a Thousand Corpses, and I think he does the the horror comedy pretty well. Like it's it's very dark, but I think he could do like a a really good Chucky movie. Yeah, I mean, I think he would at least be more respectful than Child's Play twenty nineteen was. I, I think that he'd mm-hmm. handle it with a lot more care and consideration. For example, yeah. he probably let the Don man come sit up right next to him on the throne, the director's chair there, probably uh, help him out a little bit, get some insight. Yeah. He probably still cast Brad Dourif too. Who's he going to cast? Sid Haig? <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a, maybe that's he... a Devil's Rejects joke. There. <laughs> Wait, which guy is Sid Haig? Sid is Haig he the is like, bald a, guy? yes, he's like the bald clown from both House of Thousand Corpses yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> that guy's cool. He's cool. He's also like a. Uh, He's like an actor who's like known for like a lot of exploitation films from the seventies. Like he's oh. fe- also featured in Jackie Brown as the judge because he's like he was like okay. in a bunch of those like fi- those great seventies films. He's kind of like a cult uh, cult hero, right? But a lot of people don't know who the hell he is. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool guy. I just like you, once you Google a picture of him, you'll immediately recognize him. But folks. This isn't hacking about Hag. This is uh, chatting about Chucky. And uh, Jeremy, we're not chatting about Chucky today. We're chatting about Bound. That's right. (laughs) I guess bitching. Bitching? Well, it's not bitching, but it's... uh, Blabbering? Blabbering about Bound. Blabbering Blabbering about Bound. bound. It's a triple B. Triple B. Triple B. Jinx, my dude. You owe me a soda. Um, you got it. Hey, I mean, you went through the last uh, plot of the last uh, film we covered. Did you want me to? Did you want me to take the lead on this, or did you want to do it? Are you already up, keyed up, ready to go? Um, if you if you want if you want to take the uh, take the wheel, I'll fucking hop over to the to the passenger seat. No problem. All right. Why don't we do this? Why don't we pretend it's uh, two thousand two? I'm me. Okay. I'm in the driver's seat of a 1986 Oldsmobile Calais and you'll be my dad. You'll be my you'll be my dad in the passenger seat <sighs> screaming at me the entire time <laughs> about how bad of a job I'm doing. Uh no, we will we will start with our, our of course our uh 
our prelude as such as that we do into every one of these episodes. The year 1996. <laughs> we should have a sound effect for like every uh, every decade that we kind of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the year is 1996. I looked up nothing about what's going on in the year. Did you actually have stuff pulled up? No, I don't have shit for this. <laughs> Great. Okay, perfect. Why don't we just do this then? Eric, what were you doing in 1996? What is a little Eric doing in 1996? 1996, I was seven years old. I was mucking about in uh, in elementary school. I, I have to imagine first or second grade. I was, uh, you know, this was around the time that I befriended uh, a, a, a great friend who uh, had two brothers. I've mentioned them on this podcast before who... Um, we would have sleepovers at his house, and he had this like incredible DVD or uh, VHS collection, where they would record every Simpsons episode, every SNL episode, every. They had copies of every Chris Farley movie. I mean, it was like a comedy. Uh, it was it. It truly like opened my mind to uh, most of the comedy that I still care about today, uh, mainly The Simpsons and. Uh, I guess like Adam Sandler movies and stuff, but oh hell yeah, that was pretty much what I was doing. I was just like wandering around the playground, quoting quoting the Sandman, and uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> getting getting my ass kicked. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, getting your ass beat to death every day on the yeah. playground. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, in a similar boat. I was actually still. Uh, living in a trailer park in Los Angeles with my parents. I was, uh, how old was I? Probably like nine years old at the time. So I was playing a lot of video games. Video games were pretty much my life at the time. I was also, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I had my, I had my stapled friends. At, I, I was pretty well adjusted at this point. I don't, you know, nothing really stands out to me. I was taking karate classes. <laughs> I remember that. Nice. I remember being what psyched belt about. Did you get? I got all the way up to uh, green, and I was pretty proud of that. Actually, green was like two belts away from black. I think there was like red and then brown and then black. But there was also like stripes you get in between each one. So I was like a first mm. degree green belt. So I had like one stripe on my belt. It was like. Could you do bricks with of, the head? <laughs> I could not do bricks with the head. I did one time though. Uh, in karate class afterwards it was just a like a free-for-all horse around fest like so you do the karate class and then like while you're waiting for your parents to come pick you up everyone's just running around like full jump kicking each other and sparring and you know uh whatever else and i remember this this bully chris condon was his name i'll never forget this guy he used to harass me relentlessly. He would chase me all around the fucking mats and into the bathrooms, and I could never escape this guy. And I remember one day, let's just say it was in 1996, I was being chased by Chris Condon, and I was helpless. I was always helpless. But something something in my brain was like, you know what? As a last-ditch effort to get, escape this guy, why don't you just stop running, jump into the air, and <laughs> kick backwards. <laughs> and we were going, let's just say Mach 10. We were going so fast, and I just stopped dead, 
jumped in the air and just kicked backwards. He ran full speed into my foot, stomach first, and <laughs> proceeded to barf all over the mats. <laughs> oh. I got this guy fucking good, and I didn't even really mean to. It was like a miracle. I just like jump kicked backwards, and he just ran into it, barfed everywhere. Eric, I don't know if it was Christmas, but it sure felt like a Christmas miracle. Yeah, Jeremy, Chris, th- this this was the sound of uh, this is the sound of the uh, can of whoop ass that uh, that that you unleashed on the on Chris Condon. Mm-hmm. Now that's what I like to hear. Uh, let's We're, go over. Sli- uh, I'm also available for Foley work. <laughs> yeah, that was actually two uh, big bags of ice you were rubbing together to create that <laughs> yeah. sound, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's go over some of the films that were popular in 1996. I think you were gonna like these. Um, so <laughs> let's go down the let's go down the list. Uh, this is in no particular order. Scream. Fire off. Scream. Yes. Independence Day. Hell yeah. From Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh. Fargo. <coughs> the very first Mission Impossible film. Huh? Twister. <laughs> Train Spotting. The Cable Guy. The Rock. The Craft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Maguire. Uh, a couple of like lesser known, but. Uh, films I really liked, uh, Breaking the Waves. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Lars von Trier. The Frighteners. Mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead do America. Hell yeah. <laughs> Personal fave. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. We have Glenn okay. Close plays Cruella de Vil, uh, uh, the role of a lifetime in 101 Dalmatians. We have the beginning of the Farrelly Brothers with Kingpin. Uh, this is a good year for movies, Jeremy. This is a I, great these, year. This is actually films. like an incredible year for movies. I'm yeah. looking at a list too, and this is like, I mean, we've got even movies that are like, may, like Matilda is great. I rewatched Matilda recently. It was on TV, and it's I great. love Matilda. Um, Kingpin, good comedy. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Cable Guy. The Cable Guy is, um, I think, my favorite Jim Carrey movie, and definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I mean, hey, call me a basic white boy, but Eternal Sunshine might be my favorite <laughs> Jim Carrey yeah. movie. But Cable Guy is 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 a strong second. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Wes Anderson hits the scene with Bottle Rocket. Hmm. Uh, Ma- Mars Attacks, a very underrated Tim Burton <laughs> movie. I'll be saying it till I die. It's a very underrated Tim Burton film. Tom Hanks' directorial debut in That Thing You Do. <laughs> Never seen it. Oh, it is amazing. Uh, and then you just have like a lot of like great, like shitty. You also have a bunch of great shitty films in, in this year too. Like, but that are good, like Dragonheart <laughs> or uh, The Phantom. Billy Zane's The Phantom. <laughs> uh, Pamela Anderson and Barb... Uh, uh, what is it? Barb uh, Barb Wire. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black Sheep. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Happy Gilmore. 
James and the Giant Peach. Man, the Birdcage came out this year. Fucking Space Jam came out this year. The 1996, very, yeah. folks. Great the very, year. F- the very first Paul Thomas Anderson film, Hard Eight, came out that year. Um, Sling Blade. Damn. Yeah. Train Spotting. Great year. Anyway, Bound was also released. Among these. Never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, Bound, huh? I guess it did better in the box office than <laughs> its budget. But yeah. this film has a $6 million budget. It does $7 million. Okay. However, to give you a frame of reference, I believe Independence Day did something in the neighborhood of $600 million. So it's not really a contender in the box office. And yeah. I think this kind of flies by the radar for the most part. It wins some awards. Yeah. My understanding is this this film... Uh kind of like put the Wachowskis on the maps while it ma- on the map while it wasn't uh at all a financial success um they were kind of given like creative reign for this one and the people it's like uh I forget what movie we were talking about where I related it to the Velvet Underground but it's it's like that oh, where yeah. like the people with good taste uh saw it and 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 appreciated the Wachowskis from that point on Right, yeah. It definitely reminds me of something like uh I think we are we were also talking about Mulholland Drive in a similar vein. Of yes, like, yeah. of like uh this is like a, a people with good taste saw this movie and it definitely Yours. helped everyone's career out uh afterwards. But uh, what's yeah, but uh yeah, uh it did it did end up winning uh, a handful of awards. Uh we will go through some of what it was some of its acclaim here no we won't too boring (laughs) uh so um it stars jennifer tilly of course uh joe pantaleone or uh pat uh pantoliano or joey pants as a lot of people like to call him (laughs) gina gershon it is yes. a uh, riff on a film noir style film. Something out of the vein and of Billy Wilder. Uh, a, a genre known for two things, Eric. Can you guess what those two things are? Uh, black and white? <laughs> <laughs> Close. Sex and violence. Oh, uh, okay. And I think uh, this film has both those things in spades. I, coming into this film was fully expecting the sex part, just kind of knowing very little from it. Uh, was not expecting so much of the violence, but wow, very violent. I go into every film expecting the sex part, and I got to <laughs> say, I did not enjoy Toy Story 4 today when I went, <laughs> went to see it. <laughs> it was directed by the Wachowskis, famously, uh, who would go on to direct The Matrix in 1999, just a few years later, mm-hmm. and, and uh, pioneers, I would say, in cinema. Man, Eric, we should... <sighs> I want to take this minute to talk about the Wachowskis. Please. Uh, with you, in a dialogue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing really specific to say, but like, I would just like to meditate on this for a second. Like The Wachowskis are strange they're a strange thing and i don't just mean that because of like the stigma of the of their personal life or some might say the 
the the radical accomplishments of what they've done personally, which we're talking about uh, two trans siblings who co-direct film. I mean, unprecedented, right? Do, can you think of in, another pair of siblings, trans siblings who who direct? Jeremy, you got me there. I cannot. Yeah. Um, they are incredibly interested in pushing the envelope and, and, you know, progressive themes. They sometimes make groundbreaking seminal pieces of art and they sometimes make garbage, right? <laughs> yeah, they're the kinds of filmmakers that, uh, I guess, take take these crazy uh, risks or whatever. Like, uh, like we were talking about with Bound, I think they kind of people respected them after they saw bound and they were kind of able to even before bound i was reading that like the guy who funded bound just kind of like believed in them and gave them you know however much money like two million dollars or whatever to make bound it's like they're like they're like they're true artists there's like certain directors who are just like cash machines Mm -hmm. uh who just like do whatever the producers tell them to and whatever the the uh uh, production companies tell them to and then there's like the Wachowskis who they make these like big budget movies but they uh, don't seem they seem to have like very specific visions and styles and I appreciate it I haven't um, the only Wachowski movies that I've seen are V for Vendetta that's them right that is them yeah and the first Matrix and now Bound okay so I I have not seen a lot of their movies I have seen quite a few of their movies. I think famously that film Jupiter Ascending uh, okay. is like won a million Razzie awards. Like just okay. just like was critically and commercially panned uh, for being just a big swing and a miss. And some would argue that the second two films in the Matrix trilogy are also big swings and a miss. I, I, to be honest with you, I think people would would could argue most of their films are swings and a miss. Like, and some people love them. Like, I've heard people go to bat for Speed Racer. Is it mm-hmm. like a 2008 film that they made with Emil Hirsch that is like done in the Japanese manga series style? It was like supposed to like emulate the anime television series, and it's fucking wild it's a weird movie and i don't think a lot of people got it when it came out but then people like go to bat for it years later i personally liked cloud atlas when i saw it in theaters Mm -hmm. uh but people a lot of people hate that film um you know it's like they they just seem like they make very divisive shit uh did you ever catch the show sense eight on your favorite network netflix (laughs) (laughs) um no i did not yeah, so that is uh, that is another show that they they direct. That's a that's a whole television series that they directed. Um, yeah, they're 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 known for and have been known since their very first film to push very progressive sexual themes on their audience. So um, initially, they were having a hard time casting casting Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, the two lesbian leads of the Mm -hmm. film. And I think, I mean, I can't think of another film that stars two women in the lead, in the lead that is also like where they are also lesbians. 
I mean, Thelma and Louise, I think, maybe? Yeah, and like are? action stars, basically. Yeah, but I mean, this is like incredible, for the time, 1996, this is incredibly progressive. and It is, yeah. Yeah, and they have a hard time casting them um as as it would uh as it would happen but they don't just go they don't just they don't just like cast the characters and settle down no they hire a sex educator Susie Bright <laughs> to come in and choreograph the sex scenes so that they're like correct <laughs> yeah i i was reading that they they were uh like both they they like drank a bunch of tequila beforehand or something. They were both like very nervous. Uh mm. uh uh Tilly and 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 Gershon. Um but I thought yeah, I thought all the like that that stuff was like very I think taste tastefully done. I I think um I I, mean, I didn't, it's hard to yeah, look I didn't back think at it was any, like yeah. exploitive or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I I I didn't either, but I'm a know nothing, you know, like I, uh, I, when I was watching this, it's hard. First of all, for the record, it's hard to watch anything that came out over 10 years ago and not just be like, it's so hard to tell if it was done right or wrong. You know what I mean? Like as a society, we've, we progress and grow so much in the span of 10 years that like looking back at anything in the nineties, you're like, was this, good or bad or problematic you know what i mean it's like it's kind of hard to tell like i think this is not problematic but maybe uh, maybe i'm wrong i don't know but i know that the wachowski since bound um maybe with the exception of the matrix have always sort of progressed lgbtq themes in their films maybe not speed racer either i don't know there's always like undertones of it that kind of flow through their through their, through their various movies. Um, mm-hmm. So this is both directed and written by them. It's produced by Stuart Boros and Andrew Lazar. Uh, music by Don Davis. Cinematography by Bill Pope. I really like the cinematography in this. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, it, is a, it is a standout. There is a couple of scenes that are incredibly well-crafted. Yeah. I'm thinking particularly of a lot of the... Uh, the uh, bird's eye view scenes, like for the the god cam scenes, where we're looking yes. directly down at something, you know, uh, from uh, from above. Uh, Bill Pope did a lot of great stuff. He uh, like Clueless. <laughs> he was also the DP on The Matrix. Oh, okay. The, he was also the DP on Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did the yeah he did the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions. He did the 2004 film Spider Man Two by Sam Raimi, which is arguably the one of the best superhero films ever made. Okay. Um, he also DP'd Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Ooh, which that's is, a good one. And Baby Driver, I guess he's and the World's End. He's worked with Edgar Wright uh, since okay. since Scott Pilgrim. Uh, those films all look incredible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I have. Do you have any other like pre-production trivia or anything you want to go through before we go and get into the plot? Hmm. Well, no. 
I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't look like it. Yeah, I get. We there's there's plenty of stuff you could say about this film. Gina Gershon recommended Joe Pan. Uh, Pantoliano for the role of Caesar. I think that's really yeah. cool because that ended up being a match made in heaven too. Uh, yeah, Joey, well, Joey hell. Pants. well, in, hell, in our yeah, parlance. right, in our parlance. Uh, Joey Pants and ended up working with the, the Wachowskis for The Matrix uh, and in a very great role as Cypher, which is kind of what I think everyone, everyone either knows him from The like Sopranos or Cypher, I feel like, are the two, the two big roles uh, for him. This film was shot in 38 days. So at a neck-breaking pace, Eric, a neck-breaking pace. Uh, Jennifer Tilly names Violet as the best role she ever had. Mm. Yeah, I could so see I, that. I guess not Tiffany, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder when she said that, too, because I, I think I read that, too, somewhere, and, and I wonder when she said that. Although, yeah. I mean... You can't blame her. This, this is a fucking. She's so good in this. It's she's a very it's a this. gift. Yeah, it's such a gift. Yeah. Uh, Bill Pope and the Wachowskis drew from their love of comics and were influenced by Frank Miller's neo noir Sin City series. Have you ever seen mm. Sin City, Eric? Uh, yeah, I saw the I saw that first movie, and I th- I've seen it a few times actually. I like that movie. Yeah, it's it's really good, uh, and Sin City in general, I think, is is pretty good. I find it funny that Robert Rodriguez directed the Sin City film, and then later Bill Pope would go on to DP for Robert Rodriguez in Alita: mm. Battle Angel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, a little incestuous, kind of cool. Everyone's everyone's influenced by the same thing. Everyone's sharing each other's people. Yeah. Apparently they, yeah. Anyways, a lot of cool stuff about Bound out there. You can read on imdb.com, a fine website. But Eric, we don't have time for that. I mean, we could read... S- uh, supplemental material for this film all day. Listen, or we, we could, could just go get through the goof it. section. We could go <laughs> through the. Well, I guess we kind of went through the trivia section. Um, we could not go even kind of. We didn't even scratch the surface. I was like, I was like skimming it, and I was like, ugh, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> of stuff here, but I don't know if any of it's too terribly interesting. Um, yeah, I'm excited Jeremy, to get into the film. Carry on. So. We open with extreme close-ups on all kinds of items. <laughs> yes. So this ends up being a motif that they use in the film a lot. And Eric, I just wanted to uh, kind of gauge your reaction right off the bat. How do you feel about uh, this opening sequence, this kind of opening credits? Um, I loved it. It's a classic, like we're seeing something that we're going to understand later. And uh, you just kind of sit there and take it in and take along with you what you can remember and... Uh, you know, the more you remember about it, the more it pays off later on. Yeah, it is an interesting stylistic choice that I don't necessarily identify with or recognize in their later work, but definitely feel like they had some of this going on in The Matrix where we have a lot of like cool, I don't know, like a lot of cool moving camera stuff. Like I I really like this. It reminds me of like Mm -hmm. some Ingmar Bergman or some, you know, Robert Altman type camera movement where it's like, 
yeah, let's get really up and let's get really up close to something so close that it's unrecognizable to us. Like we almost don't know what we're looking at. Uh, David Lynch also does this too, where it's just yes. like, it's just like really tight on like rope. And you're like, what's this rope for? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's uh, and it's cool. We're hearing like some phrases being repeated sort of over and over. Right. We're hearing like a conversation kind of, kind of going yep. on. Uh, Corky or Gina Gershon as she is known in the real world. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with Corky Romano. No, no, no. But if you do confuse them, how hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you confused them, uh, treat yourself to a Girl Scout cookie. Yeah. A lesbian ex-con who has just finished a five-year jail sentence arrives at an apartment building to start work as a painter and plumber. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of like the uh, handy handyman there at the uh, at the old yeah. apartment complex. Yeah. She runs into, bumps into Jennifer Tilly and Joey Pants in the elevator. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I love the name Joey Pants. <laughs> Let's just say Jennifer Tilly, or Violet, as she is known in the fake world of Bound, yeah. has given her some lusty eyes. Yeah. She horny. <laughs> <laughs> she horny, and she horny for Gina. And I gotta say, this, uh, I would say the first half of this film plays out like a total porno. Yeah. Like, it's a total yeah. porno that <laughs> yeah. kind of never gets started. Like, uh, and, and there, uh, there is love scenes in, in it that are quite graphic, yeah. but it, it is so much of like the beginning of what a porno is, and then either will go a different direction or not quite act on it. Right. Uh, But it's so artistically done. And I got to say, as just a Twin Peaks diehard, the, I don't know, I, I, this problem, maybe this was an influence, but Violet, like the shot of Violet walking, like you see her legs like walking out of the elevator and there's this kind of like, Jazzy, like, boom, 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 like, kind of, yeah. kind of thing playing. Uh-huh. That's fucking Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks, dude. That's like one hundred percent Audrey Horn vibes. I was getting, and uh, yes, I love yes. it. Just like very sophisticated woman, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a vibe, mysterious and sophisticated. Absolutely, and also like leaning into like the I don't know. I almost feel like this this and Twin Peaks share a sense of humor. Where they're like leaning into the genre to the point where it's almost snarky. You know what I mean? Right. They're almost yep. making fun of the genre. But I also feel like they have an extreme reverence for it. So Yes. And I feel like that is that's similar to Twin Peaks where it's such a it's such a narrow vision, right? That it like it almost confounds me because it, it it's it's so layered and complicated. You know, it's it's like this film is both so funny and so violent, but it's like not played for laughs. It's played very straight, you know? Um, anyway, so after Caesar has gone out, Violet flirts with Corky and asks her to help retrieve an earring that has fallen down her sink, which is sort of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, porn premise 101, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and uh, yeah, and like some stuff that happened before this was like um, uh, Corky hears 
uh, what she thinks is Violet having sex with Caesar in the next apartment over when she's like yeah. disgustingly using a uh, like a drain snake to pull what I'm guessing is years of diarrhea out of a tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, really gross. Yeah. So uh, Corky, of course, extracts the earring. We get some more tight, tight <laughs> close-ups on her hands, like yeah. turning the the pipes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so uh, a lot of wet stuff is happening. A lot of water spilling everywhere. Of course, we're getting more and more intimate. Violet admits that she lost it on purpose in order to get closer to Corky. She even at one point says, like, I'm trying to seduce you after she shows her her uh, tattoo on her breast. Yeah, which uh, is a heart, right? It's like a little heart. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, I guess yeah. it's a heart. I thought it was a flower. Oh, okay. Might, I, I don't, I, it was hard to tell what it was, honestly. I mean, at this point, my eyeballs were popping out of my skull, so I, ha- yeah. I might have misseen it. At this point, I was going a wooga, a wooga a lot <laughs> and hitting my own head with a mallet. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh they are interrupted though during their little fingering uh scene by caesar who comes yeah. storms in and he's like <laughs> what the fuck is going on you know he's like super italian and i love he, uh, caesar yeah me too he's super italian and he, uh, and then once he sees though that Corky is in fact a lady, he's like, "Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that you was just a lady." <laughs> you know, like he's like, yeah, he's like suddenly not at all. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, what's what's the word? Challenged. <laughs> he no longer feels in in insecure. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although that is Caesar's grave mistake, as we will find out later. Uh-huh. Um, we kind of find out in this scene, too, that there's a big mafia thing happening. <laughs> yeah. And we also Which find is... out uh, Corky was in prison for five years. That's right. Yeah. Corky was in prison for five years. And we can pretty much guess it's for stealing, although I don't think she says it outright. But I remember guessing in this scene, like, oh, it's, I bet it's yeah. for stealing. Uh, Caesar gives her some cold hard cash. Basically, says if you don't take it, then I'm gonna worry about you. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. Later. Uh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I guess Corky ends up leaving. Uh, Violet follows her to the truck. They start kind of. They start kind of getting heavy, hot and heavy in the truck. And they're like, do you have a bed? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we get that hard cut to what I think is like the probably the most graphic sex scene in the whole film. Yeah. Which is like them both naked on bed, going, going to town, having a time, really. And it's also, it's also done very beautifully. Um they you seem know, we, to like each other. They seem to like each other a lot, as uh, yeah. Austin Powers might say. <laughs> uh, Mulholland Drive is a film that came out in 2001. Yeah. We already brought it up <laughs> once. Uh, this film shares, I feel like, a lot of similarities with Mulholland Drive. Uh, I feel like... You know, th- it kind of does, yeah, yeah. with the, the two the two female characters kind of having this 
sort of complicated uh, romance t- entangled with like a very weird, uh, bizarre, thrilling story. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, there's mafia in both films. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just feel like you know David Lynch definitely saw Bound and was definitely inspired by it to make Mulholland Drive because because even the two leads function similarly in both films like you have one that's a little bit more naive than the other and you have one that's sort of more in it quote unquote mm-hmm. like in the shit so to speak like yeah violet is definitely a little bit more of a seductress whereas Corky's a little bit more along for the ride yes anyways so the next morning violet tells Corky that caesar is a money launderer for the mafia and they've been together for five years later Violet overhears Caesar and his mafia associates beating and torturing Shelley, a man who has been skimming money from the business. Upset by the violence and cruelty, Violet seeks solace from Corky. Well, I don't think it's... I'm literally reading off something. I don't think she seeks solace no, from No, she seeks Corky. solace from uh, Caesar. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So this was the first like hyper violent scene we get in the film. How did yeah, you, how did you feel up. about this? <laughs> it was yeah, crazy. I know. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like it's a I, lot of blood. <laughs> the mafia, mafia scenes like in a good mafia movie. I think this is a good mafia movie it, it, or a movie that does the mafia like very effectively. But uh, these are like my least f- favorite violent scenes. And by least favorite, I mean, they just like gross me out and like, make me uh drive me insane like they're supposed to but like when when someone's like gonna get a limb cut off or is just like getting some very specific form of torture it's brutal it it, it's like it it's like very hard for me to get through which is like what i'm sure what the wachowskis want to happen but uh yeah i thought it was great and i also thought like hearing uh corky hearing what's going on through the toilet and then we cut to like the blood dropping into the toilet in caesar's bathroom i thought it was all it 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 was great it was really good yeah yeah it's it's really effective and well done um i was also very grossed out by the finger getting cut off um uh yeah i mean it's like one of those things where it's like so simple but like we watch a lot of horror disturbing disgusting films you know eric Mm -hmm. and like i feel like some for some some reason like a very grounded minor uh act of violence will sometimes put me in a tailspin more than like i don't know say chucky launching a (laughs) an (laughs) An oxygen oxygen tank tank. yeah i'm gonna keep referencing that death until i'm dead uh, um yeah well key word there is grounded i think the 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 fact that it could actually you know happen is right more frightening so perhaps. we're getting a lot of like the relationship here corky wants to make a new life for herself um violet also you know they start to plan together they start to scheme right yes um so knowing uh, Caesar will find uh, the nearly $2 million that he came home with um, uh, covered in blood, to which yeah. they stay up all night like cleaning and ironing, which I think is very <laughs> yeah. fascinating. Yeah. 
like that sequence of like them them talking in the apartment cut in with like joey pants just like dead-eyed shark-eyed just like ironing bills (laughs) yeah yeah so they basically plan to steal this money and uh the way they the way they're going to do it is very contrived, and I don't really want to get too much into the weeds of the plan. But I don't yeah. know, Eric. What did you think of the plan? The plan, uh, the plan was fine for me. It's 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 like uh, got this. It's it's like a little. Yeah, we don't need to go over it in detail because it's a little uh, not complex, but there's like a lot of parts to it. But exactly. I I loved this whole this whole part was it it, it was. It was really good. It was annoying for me when I was taking notes because I was like, they kept cutting from when they were talking, when they were devising the plan to like them actually executing the plan. But I couldn't tell if the them executing it was just like a visualization of what would happen or if it was actually happening, which if as like a normal non-insane person who is not taking notes while watching a movie... That is awesome. Like that, I thought that was really cool. Um, but at the time, I was like, "Wait, what? What's actually <laughs> <Yeah>. happening?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought, I mean, the plan was fine enough for me to like buy as like uh, you know something that that these people would would concoct to to get this money. And Caesar, I gotta say, like Caesar is intimidating. Um, because he's just like a ruthless motherfucker, mm-hmm. but he's an idiot. Like he seems like a dumb guy. So yeah, he's I, an idiot. I don't think but they he also needed a really complex he, plan. Right? Yeah, he's an idiot. And honestly, I think that their plan is overly complex, and they could have gotten away with it sooner had they devised a simpler plan. But as it is, like they don't account for one huge part of this plan being that they think Caesar is going to run once they find, once he finds out that Johnny took the money, quote unquote, which is not what happened. It's them who took the money. But once he sees that, once he hears that Johnny, who is the Don, like, like the, the mob boss's son, once he thinks that that guy fucked him over, the plan was for Caesar to run away and then everyone to get away happy. But instead Caesar stays and that becomes what do we call that? The uh, the inciting action or inciting the, uh, uh, incident? Inciting incident, maybe. Perhaps. So <laughs> instead of Caesar running away and uh, Corky and Violet also getting the money and running away uh, on their own terms, mm-hmm. Violet is forced to stay while the mob boss's plane lands. The son of the mob boss, Johnny, picks up the mob boss. Yes, Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney, yeah. We all know from uh, Wet Hot American Summer. (laughs) Yes. They all drive over to Caesar's house to collect the money. Violet, this scene is incredibly well done. Really good. Very tense. We know there's no money in that suitcase because they've already stolen it. But Violet is still in the room because she can't let on that she's part of the plan. So why would she leave? Caesar is kind of hosting this game of wits, so to speak. He's trying to get Johnny <laughs> to, I guess, basically, I don't know, fess up. We get the mafia boss. He's sitting in there. He's like, all right, just take the 
take the briefcase and let's get out of here. And they're like, nah, your plane doesn't leave for two hours. Let's have a drink first. And it's like, oh, no, had they just left, <laughs> maybe we'd have a different outcome. But as it is, Caesar, who fully thinks Johnny stole the money, tells him to open the briefcase. And when he does, there's a newspaper in there, whatever. Caesar pulls out a gun and is like, you took it, you rat fuck. <laughs> and then we have what is essentially like a standoff where everyone's like, hey, we didn't take the money. And he's like, yes, you did. And the only person in the room who knows the truth is Violet. So the mob boss gets up. He's like, hey, Caesar, you know, hey. Don't, be, don't be crazy. Come on. We're all okay here. We'll figure it out. He goes to grab the gun from him and Caesar makes the decision to kill everyone in the room. Boom. Bada yeah. boom. I am obsessed with the the shot of the mob boss getting killed and falling to the ground. I thought it was awesome. It's you, this whole scene, man. It's yeah. fucking it's great. This is very good filmmaking. Yes. It's just so good. I I don't even It's so hard for me to like think like pinpoint anything to criticize about this movie because it's just very very good and this scene kicks ass yeah this scene it's like almost like a puzzle in how it's shot it's like it's like you're the camera's sort of attached to the gun for a while so you're getting this like really cool force perspective shot also you have kind of like a train spotting like uh, you know, the camera sort of like falls with the mafia boss as he falls to the ground, but all mm-hmm. very slowly. So he's always in center frame, but just the background's moving behind him. It's it's really incredible. Uh, if you don't want to watch all of the movie Bound and you're just listening to this show because you want to get the cliff notes on it, at least YouTube that scene because it is it's it's a it's 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 class. Um, so. Immediately following this heinous uh, execution, Caesar's like, yeah, you know, uh, maybe uh, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, we clean this all up. And uh, starts devising, I guess, like what, like a second plan. But of course, there's gunshots, right? So who shows mm-hmm. up? The police. At which point we get this like really funny line from Joey, Joey Pants where he's like, yeah, I don't know. They're just cops. Like, <laughs> like you, go, you, you go deal with them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Let's go to... I'm going to skip down to here. Sorry, I got kind of lost in these notes. Where now? Where now? Where now? All right. So he tells Violet that they have to find the money and to dispose of the bodies uh, and pretend Gino and Johnny never arrived. <laughs> I think the plan is like what? Like he to pretend that they were like in a car accident or something. He yeah. kind of makes this. Say, he just has like, you know, like it's the mafia. Like accidents happen all the time. Like this is like people aren't going to really ask questions. You know, we just got to right. make something up. Uh, so they go to Johnny's apartment. They're unable to find the money there. 
Caesar telephones Mickey, a mafia friend, telling him that Gino has yet to arrive. Uh huh. After discovering Corky and Violet stole the money, Caesar ties them up, gags them, threatens to torture them, and demands to know where it is. When Mickey, yeah, arrived, yeah, <laughs> he's very um, homophobic in this. He's like a very uh, offensive. He says some very offensive things about uh, Corky and Violet's relationship that were uh, disturbing. Yeah. So would you like to repeat any of those things here? On not on at air? all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. No. Yeah. No. Caesar is definitely a bad guy. Which up until this point, I don't think I necessarily thought that. Uh, yeah. I thought- up until this point, I was just like, I just thought he was an idiot. But now yes. I think he's a homophobic idiot. Yeah. Murderer. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's a murderer and an idiot for sure, and kind of just a. I don't know. I don't want to use the word. Uh, what would you a, a cuckold? But uh, but yeah, he's kind of a cuckold. And then he gets his uh, then he gets his homophobia on, and he turns that dial up to eleven. Uh, yeah, gags and threatens to torture them, and demands to know obviously where the money is. When Mickey arrives to see what's going on, Caesar panicked makes a deal with Violet to help him stall. Mm-hmm. As he prepares to kill Mickey, and this is kind of where like everything's getting like convoluted. We're seeing like that classic. Uh, film noir like uh, mafia plot start to like kind of like all the pieces start falling into place like everything is zigging when it should be zagging left is right up is down as he prepares to kill Mickey Violet calls the landline from Johnny's cell phone and mm-hmm. quickly convinces Caesar to pretend that he's on the phone with Gino yes who's calling from a hospital to explain that he and Johnny were in a car accident <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I liked I liked that uh, a lot. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was cool. Mickey is convinced and leaves for the hospital. Corky tells Caesar where she has hidden the money, which is in paint, right? Like she puts it in a garbage bag and puts it in a bucket of paint. White. Paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, when uh, when Mickey is like about to open the the brief the suit the case, I guess it's a briefcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was intense as hell. Like right, yeah. like right before the phone rings. Uh, very intense. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot on. of moments like that, and like again, I, I don't want to keep comparing it just to other things, but to to give people a frame of reference, like the the Matrix is also like the next evolution of this. Like, I there's so many scenes in that film that are very similar to this, where it's like, oh yeah, like that style. It's definitely a Wachowski thing, and I think again, like it's kind of a bummer that they abandon it. I think later on in their career, like they don't really do movies like this anymore. And I'll get into more like why I'm kind of talking about this later. But I think that this is like such an interesting, like they do tension better than almost anybody. Like I'm remembering in the matrix, which Eric, it's probably been a while since you've seen the movie or no. Yeah. Um, over 10 years. Yeah. There's that scene in the matrix where like Neo has to go through the metal detector and I remember you just, that. And you just know, like, he's head to toe covered in guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like this super tense scene where it's like, nope, we're caught. And then they just, like, the the scene just goes crazy from there. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's like, they're, they're really good at creating, like, artificial tension, just like, but from, like, natural places in the story. I don't know. It, I, I was really impressed by that. Um, 
So yeah. Uh, Corky tells Caesar where she's hidden the money and he goes next door to find it. Violet escapes, makes a phone call to Mickey telling him that Caesar stole the money and forced her to keep quiet. Gosh, Mickey's having a day. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a, (laughs) quite a day. She must be tuckered out. (laughs) In the meantime, Corky tries to stop Caesar from taking the money, but he beats her to the ground. Now, Caesar, who already was on my do not like list, went from that to my come on, where's Chucky already list? Um, hey, Caesar, Chucky's going to get you. <laughs> Caesar is... Uh, the C in Caesar stands for canceled, by the way. Yeah, and Chucky. <laughs> and Chucky also. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, just as he is about to kill her, Violet arrives, pulls a gun on Caesar. This is a great moment. Telling yes. him that Mickey is on the way and he should run while he can. Caesar mm-hmm. tells Violet that he knows she will not shoot him. To which she replies, Caesar, you don't know shit. <laughs> love it and kills him dead right there bada boom bada boom bada bing jennifer tilly kill count just went up by one you're dead caesar (laughs) later mickey who believes violet's story tells her that he will find caesar and that there is no need to involve police mickey wants violet to be his girlfriend which i think is I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if I would have said it that way, but it's a very funny way for Wikipedia to have written it down. Mickey wants Violet to be his girlfriend, but she tells him that she needs a clean break. Yeah. (laughs) I got to say when, when Violet kisses Mickey, I hope Jennifer Tilly got like a bonus for that or something. Cause she got, uh, yeah. Uh, the budget was 6 million. She got 5 million for that disgusting kiss. I mean, not disgusting at all because of Jennifer Tilly, but because of that uh, elderly man that she had to kiss. I feel I feel bad for her. Yeah, I mean, I we was just said Mickey was having a day, and boy, oh boy, he really was having a day. Yep. Like he's going from, you know, multiple phone calls, thinking his 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 friends are in the hospital, to getting a big smooch. Yikes! But. Anyways, she tells him that she needs a clean break, which she makes by driving off hand in hand with Quirky. They make it out alive, folks. Into the sunset they go. Into the sunset. Two million cold hard dollars. Freshly cleaned and ironed. (laughs) Covered in white paint. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Eric, what did you think of Bound? Jeremy, I got to say, I I have to be honest here. I did not know this movie existed before we started talking Chucky, and uh, I owe it to the Chuck man, I owe it to the Don man for introducing me to this film, because this film, I'm going to recommend it to people. I'm going to, this is, this is up there as one of my, one of my, it's, this is on Eric's list. Uh, Eric's this list. is made Eric's list, <laughs> which is something I just made up, but yeah. And that's different it, than Schindler's list, right? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I love this movie. I, I really like, uh, a, a good 
See, noir, n- noir. I can't, I can't say the word good, but like noir films are. Um, I really like a lot of the, a, a lot of them. Some of them are uh, like the dark. There's like a dark tone to a lot of them that that like it, it doesn't like stick. Like I can't. It's hard for me to focus on 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 some of the older ones. Oh, but shit. like Brick, have you ever seen the movie Brick? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, so like Brick, and there's uh, struggling to think of another example of a more modern one, but um, when I, there's blood, there's certain Blood Simple, Blood Simple, yes, Blood Simple and Brick and Bound. I'm putting those up there as like three of my favorite noirs. I would say Bound is probably my favorite of all of these. Uh, yeah. I I really really like this movie. I uh, I love the characters. Um, there uh i'm uh, and this extends to like like everyone in the film and is not just like a comment on uh uh tilly or gershon's appearance but i think everyone is like really fun to watch and look at like i love jennifer tilly's kind of like audrey horn vibe uh that i mentioned at the beginning gina gershon's character is like so uh interesting to me i love her she has these like huge lips in this movie yes, yeah um and she has she she just fucking owns at this role like it's so good if you look at gina gershon because i was struggling to think of anything else i've seen her in and i don't think i've really seen her in anything else but i've i've been looking at stills uh or have or i did look at some stills of her and uh she looks different. She looks a lot different in like other movies. So she really like channeled some. She really channeled uh, this Corky character, uh, and I yeah. think she did a really good job. Uh, I love Caesar. I love all of the mafia people. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a mafia movie. Uh, any movie that that like does the if you if you get the mafia part uh, right and like interesting enough, I'll really enjoy it. And this. The Wachowskis did that with this, and I think all of the performance is really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, I, I the story worked on me. I was engaged the whole time. Um, I was like happy that they got away with the money. I uh, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say. I, I really like this movie, Jeremy. I'm gonna give this. Uh, what are we? <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna do, Chucky uh, Freckles or no, uh, no, no, no way? We're gonna do, uh, we're gonna yeah. do. Uh, uh, oh, I know what we're gonna do. How many? How many fingers out of five? <laughs> <laughs> how many fingers out of five? Uh, hmm. So I will give this film. Uh, Five Shelly fingers out of five. <laughs> Jeremy, um, I pass the torch to you. I I thought this film was incredible. I was so pleasantly surprised when I realized just... For some reason, I because I, I actually did know about this film, Eric, for a while before I, before I, I watched it. But I didn't. I, I just knew that it existed, and I knew that it was a pre-Matrix Wachowski film, and I knew it had Jennifer Tilly. I thought it was going to be about. I think I, I thought it was going to be about like bondage, maybe like BDSM. I I I don't know what mm-hmm. I had in my head, but I was so pleasantly surprised that it was basically this 
kind of like film noir, tongue in cheek, almost like, you know, um, facetious comedy. I loved it. I thought it, I thought it had so many great, uh, moments of like high tension. I thought, I thought the action was like one of those things where it's like well within budget, but also so well executed. It just, it just, the movie feels more expensive than it is. And I, and I just, I love that about it. It has the great matrix coloring that I just love so much. Like one of the things that's so cool about the matrix that people don't talk about a lot is like how it looks, but like not in the action sequences, like, in just like dialogue sequences, like the matrix looks incredible. Um, it has really great greens in there. And this film shares that with the matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Tilly, we've sung her praises so much on this show. She's uh, an icon. She's fierce as hell. We love her. But Gina Gershon, I know you haven't seen a lot of stuff that she's in, but I'm going to go through some of her, some of her greatest hits right now Please because do. she's, She's amazing. Uh, Showgirls, which was, of okay. course, the uh, the uh, that fucking crazy film that also came out in the '90s. That was that uh, directed by uh, oh, who's that guy? Uh, Paul Verhoeven, the the okay. <laughs> yeah, the Starship Troopers guy. Uh, Eric, do you like the show Curb Your Enthusiasm? I do. Yeah. Do you do you do you keep up with it? Have you watched pretty much all of it? I've seen every episode, I think. Okay, do you know the do you if I if I mentioned the Hasidic dry cleaner, would you know who oh I'm talking about? Oh my god, about? that's Gina Gershon? That's Gina Gershon. Yeah. Oh shit, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. She's she's fucking awesome. She's also the voice of Catwoman in the okay. 2007 animated series Batman. Uh yeah. She's a fucking amazing actress, uh, along with Tilly. Uh, I'm looking at like literally a poster of Bound right now, where if you like, it's like the it's like that blue poster where uh, Gina Gershon is just standing in front of Tilly, and they're both like looking into camera. But if you look at Gina Gershon's arm, like kind of like like. Uh, almost like holding back Jennifer Tilly. She's like ripped as hell. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, she, her arms could t- eat my lar- arms for lunch. Uh, <laughs> I also like seeing a uh, Joey pants with hair. It's something I've actually never seen before. He's a bald and everything else. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought, I, I, I thought it was excellent. If we're doing uh Shelly fingers, I'm just going to say it's a, it's a full five for me. Five Shelly fingers out of five. There, I said it. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page, Jeremy. I think, uh, I mean, how can you, how, how could you possibly, possibly say anything negative about this film? Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned You'd have the to budget. Be a homophobe. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're a bigot if you uh, mm-hmm. don't like this movie. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you also don't know anything about movies because yes. this is fucking good. Um, and yeah, real quick, you mentioned the budget and yeah, $2 million to make this movie. Like Jesus Christ, compare that to, Oh, 6 million, th- six million. Oh, 6 million. Okay. Yeah. 6 million, uh, over 20 years ago, compare that to the 10 million that it costs to make the new child's play film, uh, which yeah. we discussed on the previous episode. I mean, there's filmmakers 
there's there's directors and then there's artists, folks. Yeah. And uh, the Wachowskis, as far as I'm concerned, are artists. And this movie actually made me kind of interested to uh, revisit The Matrix and perhaps delve into the sequels. Which yeah, The Matrix, the first Matrix film is, I watched it la- uh, just a few months ago. It is, It holds up. It is still yeah. fucking amazing. You know Bound was great. Because that film had a six million dollar budget, which gave them a sixty three million dollar budget. For Holy the shit! Yeah, that's an upgrade right there. Yeah, that's, that's uh. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call an the opposite of the Child's Play franchise, <laughs> where budgets got smaller and yeah. they made also not. Yeah, a, you could make yeah. uh five Child's Play threes with that. <laughs> Probably I wish six there was a way seven. to make five Child's Play 3s on top of each <laughs> other. That would be amazing. Yeah. What if they what if a film franchise just like like Child's Play like they saw that people didn't like 3 so they just like redid it. Mm-hmm. They just like made another 3. I would love until that. Until they got it right. Okay. Um <laughs> this also reminds me that we have to follow up on Charles. <laughs> oh shit. You know, I've I've emailed with the we were trying to uh get something, get an interview set up, but uh Jeremy, communication is hard. Communication is uh it's difficult to set things up. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk to the folks at Charles or working and on And in Charles, this day and age, it's never been harder. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. We've never been more alone yet more connected. <laughs> and uh Eric you know, I feel like I just got like one last thing to say to you. Um, Jeremy, real quick before you before you say this. No, um, no, 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 <laughs> no. No, okay. what is it? <laughs> I want to say, uh, follow us on Twitter at Chucky Rules Four Twenty. There's a lot of great uh, Child's Play discourse going on over there. Um, email us at Chucky Rules Four Twenty at gmail dot com if you. Uh, I don't know, want to contact us for whatever reason. Um, also, uh, we, uh, I think, I don't remember if, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it in this episode, but we're going to keep the Chucky train rolling for another uh, probably at least like three or four episodes. We have, uh, we're going to do um, Annabelle and then some other Toys to Life stuff. Um, and we have some really fun uh, bonus <laughs> episodes that I'm excited about that uh, Jeremy doesn't know about yet. Um, <laughs> that should be very fun. Uh, so sign up for the Patreon at the $5 tier uh, or the $1 tier if you just want to help out uh, two guys who are broke, one of which just lost his job. And yeah, uh, yeah. Jeremy, take it away. Eric, I've been waiting to do this for years now. Years? But this is the end. Frond. <laughs> Fuck! I fucked it up! Fuck! Oh, Jeremy. Oh my god. What am I... What's wrong with me? I had my one chance, Eric, and I blew it. All right. This is the on, friend. Damn it! I did it! <laughs> Fuck! Okay. All wait, right. wait. Give it one more, one more shot. This is the end, friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I think you're just messing with me. <laughs> <laughs>